Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Boss Up Podcast, episode 350. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today I'm so excited to share with you a conversation I just had with Dr. Candace Steele Flippin, who is a multi-generational workplace scholar who's going to share some really interesting research she's done around Gen Z and millennials in the workplace, especially how in the last few years, due to the pandemic, our values and priorities and workplace sort of behaviors have shifted. So I'm really, really excited for you to dive into this episode with me. Here at Bossed Up this year, we've been working with a ton of first-time people managers and aspiring first-time people managers in our Leadership Accelerator Level Up, many of whom, not all, but many of whom are millennial women. And it's been really interesting to see how our priorities are shifting, our challenges in the workplace are shifting, and how managing Gen Zers is becoming a bigger part of a lot of our uh, challenges and undertakings in the workplace. So I'm really excited for those who are either current managers of other people or aspire to be people managers can take a lot away from this conversation. That being said, even if that doesn't describe you, uh, Dr. Candace talks a lot about different elements of socioeconomic sort of shifts in the workplace that are applicable and interesting across uh, across many, many, many different generations. In fact, the bottom line here is that we, along with the baby boomers and beyond, have more in common than we don't. So I'm excited for you to hear from Dr. Candace and let me know what you think about today's episode. Let me give you a little bit of background. Dr. Candace Steele Flippin is recognized as one of the most influential black executives in corporate America. She is a global communications expert, a multi-generational workplace scholar, TEDx speaker, and best-selling author. She's the publisher of WorkStats, author of Generation Z in the Workplace and Millennials in the Workplace, and the host of Beyond the Gap, the podcast. Since 2016, Dr. Candace Steele Flippin has been an executive research fellow at the Weatherhead School of Management at Case Western Reserve University, and her research focuses on accelerating the leadership development of women, Gen X, Gen Z, and millennials in the workplace. Affectionately known as Dr. Candace, she's a frequent speaker and thought leader who uses her unique background as a researcher and executive to provide practical career insights on the future of the multi-generational workplace. Dr. Candace, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. Emily, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be speaking with you because here at Bossed Up, there are a lot of millennial women, not only on our team, on our staff, but also in our community. And we are talking and thinking a lot these days 
about Gen Z in the workforce, and I'm so stoked to speak with a multi-generational workplace scholar such as yourself. Thanks for being here. Well, you're welcome. And I got to tell you that part of the reason why I got into this research mm -hmm. is about maybe 14, 15 years ago, one of my colleagues walked into my office and I'm a communications executive and he was really frustrated about millennials. Mm. Uh, you all were driving him crazy. <laughs> and so... Now it's our turn. And so, <laughs> exactly. And so what was interesting back then was that everything that I could find in the literature, whether it was in a news source or just you know, going to Google Scholar, was actually very negative. Mm. And I just felt as though we needed a much more appreciative approach. Yeah. So I went back to school to get my doctorate. And I started studying and writing about it, looking at it through a communications lens as a bridge. Mm. And I study generational values. And the reason why I do that is because generational theory teaches us mm. that when you were born and what was happening historically where you live, shape what's important to you. And we bring those values with us into the workplace. Mm. So in a millennial context, millennials came into you know, their formative years having access to social media and access to technology. And so when they entered the workplace, they wanted more enablement. Mm. And so it wasn't a shortcut. It was really more efficiency based on their experiences. Totally. And I see the same thing happening now with Gen Z as well. And so what I tell people is that differences enrich the workplace. Mm. And what we want to do is understand the values behind them so that we can have better working relationships. Mm -hmm. I love that. Forward. It's such an interesting point because I think in the broader context of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we forget generational differences and ageism can play a really big part of, of how we pass judgment on others. <laughs> and it's so socially acceptable in a way, right? It's like, oh, another entitled millennial. <laughs> you know, there's such widespread acceptance around these gross generalizations. Uh in a way that would never be widespread acceptance around other elements of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But it's very much part of how we enrich the workplace, right? Through diverse generational differences. Is that right? Absolutely. What I will remind people is that we all carry bias. Right. Right. You know, and it's really important for us to do just what you said. Remind ourselves that you know, differences can be good and great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So tell us about the nature of your research, because you have uh, two different books now on specifically millennials in the workplace and Gen Z, uh, as well as your your work stats um, around research based practical career insights. How did you go about uh, you know, learning, researching, and writing more about these generations? You know, anecdotes matter and experiences matter. But what I was really looking for were things that were grounded in some type of scientific basis. Mm. Because what I found is most often when people have challenges or concerns, they want solutions. And just 
throwing up your hands and saying, this group is driving me crazy. Right, right. <laughs> could be helpful. Like, yeah, they're driving me crazy too. But it's, it's just not helpful. What do you do with it? Because yeah. you still have to come back tomorrow and work with these people. So I just started looking at it and just um, doing it from two ways. So my first book was Gen Z in the Workplace. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I had a number of mentees who were coming to me asking for advice. Mm. And... Um, so I wrote the book as a practical guide for them. And then also as a practical guide for people who were managing mm. Gen Z. And then I did the same thing for millennials. So it's very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's why I did it. And so far people have found it valuable. So I'm, I'm happy to, that's I'm happy to, to see that. And yeah. then since then, I just continue to do research about what people are feeling and how values are shifting or being impacted by COVID, mm-hmm. by um, by racial and social injustice issues, by what's happening in the economy. And then I just put this information out there mm-hmm. as an appreciative voice for people to have additional resources that they can tap into um, to help them understand how the workplace is changing right around us and how they can be better leaders and better co-workers. Great. That is awesome. And those are those are the topics I, I very much want to talk to you about today. You're preempting all of my questions, Dr. Candace. It's good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> so let's sink our teeth into Gen Z in the workplace, because I know a lot of our listeners yeah. are millennials who are potentially navigating managing Gen Zers nowadays. Um, and let's just clarify our terms. I'm looking at Uh, in front of me, Deloitte's latest report on Gen Z. And they say Gen Z, and I'd be curious to hear if you agree with this. They say born between 1995 and 2012 and making up 24.3% of the U.S. population. Wow, that surprised me. Gen Z is on track to become the most diverse generation in U.S. history by 2020, and they're about to make its presence, or it's about to make its presence known in the workplace in a major, major way. So is that sort of how you define Gen Z as well, 95 to 2012? I So in my research, I'd say born after 1996, but I've seen research mm. that suggests anywhere from 1995 to 1997. So mm. That's pretty much on track with what I will say. And I've seen stats that show, you know, they're going to comprise up to 36% of our workplace. So when I look at it, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about those 16 to 25 year olds that Mm. are showing up in different types of workplaces. Yeah. I mean, in force, it's certainly they're here, you know, we're not preparing anymore. They are officially here. So what do we, because millennials are midlife right now. I mean, they're 40. (laughs) Don't we know it? (laughs) You're talking to someone who's on the precipice of my first child being born. So I feel we're no spring chicken over here anymore. uh, As one of my mentors might say, but what are still fabulous? Still fabulous. fabulous. Yeah. We're not getting older. It's just Gen Z is getting, they're growing up somehow and millennials are young forever with our skinny jeans and our, uh, and our, you know, and our side parts. But what, uh, what do we need to know about Gen Z and in terms of their behaviors, their values, their philosophies as they enter the workforce? Okay. Let's talk about values first. Mm-hmm. In 2016, I did a study and I was looking at what people value from their professional perspectives. 
And based on a number of interviews I conducted, I found six factors that people seem to value when it comes to their career work life. Those range from performance, like how well am I doing on my job? You know, um, am I being developed? Making more money, that's pretty clear. Uh, Work-life balance, my ability to juggle what's uh, important to my employer and me getting my job done versus the amount of time I get to spend on things that I enjoy. Getting a promotion, so has my hard work paid off. Mm. Changing careers, you know, maybe I started late on my career, maybe the job I wanted wasn't there. Perhaps now that I've been doing this job, I no longer want to do it, so I want to do something different. Or retirement, like kind of sunsetting careers. And what I learned back then is the top two things that Gen Z valued was performance. Mm. So doing well in their role, development, and making more money. Mm. And then for millennials, it was making more money and then performance. Mm. And the reason why these two findings are important, whenever I speak to organizations, I say, listen, I know that you've heard a lot about the importance of work-life balance, but when it comes to employees... What they're really valuing right now is the ability to know that their work is going to be recognized Mm. and that you have tools in place to make sure they can perform well and their compensation. Totally. Work-life balance is great, but folks have now started to figure that out and it's still going to be important. Right. But more importantly, they want to know that they can do well and they're going to be compensated appropriately. Mm -hmm. That does feel like a a pretty big shift, doesn't it? Because, I mean, I've been writing and thinking a lot about wage inequality and negotiation and wage stagnation quite a bit over the past 20 years. And it's about time workers are demanding (laughs) more compensation because the, the, just the looking at the housing prices alone that our two generations are navigating and the the you know prior to 2020 decade of wage stagnation that we've been just seeing across the workforce post great recession uh it makes sense to me that we're finally reconciling the fact that you know millennials are some of the most indebted overeducated undercompensated people in the workforce so i'm i'm happy to see a little bit of uh prioritization and demand upon employers to really cough up some coin (laughs) for lack of a better Mm -hmm. word and, and compensate Gen Z and and millennial workers as it relates to our increasing cost of living. Do you feel like that intersects with class and, and all of those economic factors in addition to the generational sort of approach to this philosophy? You know, it's a good question, and I don't know. Mm. What I can tell you is that in 2016, 2017, I learned that the top two professional values for Gen Z and millennials were, you know, performance Mm. and making more money. This past July, in preparation for an economic development forum talk that I gave, I did another study. Mm. And I was looking at the conversation around the great resignation. Yeah. And how the pandemic was shifting yeah. worker expectations. And, and so I asked two questions that, that you might be interested in. And one is, you know, what would cause you to leave your job? Mm. And so I gave, I gave 
you know, the participants, and these were just 18 to 40 year olds. And so this is Gen Z and millennials. And I just gave them a perspective in terms of what would cause you to leave your job. And I gave them a list of things. And what I learned is that um, 33% of Gen Z would leave their job right now for more money. Mm -hmm. 45% of millennials would do it. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That is interesting. And so... To me, that bypasses class or other yeah. things. It's like what you said. People realize things are expensive. And, you know, as great as things are, people will leave for more money. And so then the, that begs the question, well, who's not going to leave? So I asked, you know, you know, would you just not leave your employer? Mm. And only 12% of Gen Z said that they wouldn't leave their employer. Hmm. And for millennials... Mm-hmm. Only 15% right now would say they would not leave their jobs. Hmm. And so if you're an employer, what do you think about this? What you think is, listen, I need to go back and look at my compensation for my employee base, particularly these millennials. They are not sticky as I once Mm. thought that they would be. No, gone, and, gone are the days of beer on tap and ping pong tables <laughs> keeping everyone uh, satisfied. That's interesting. Well, those things are important. Sure. But they don't replace compensation. Money. Yeah. And safety. Yeah. It feels like, I don't know if you've seen this emerge in your research, but it feels like when the world stops turning and there's a global pandemic that we're all forced to reconcile with, we get pretty focused on our bottom line and what we need to feel safe uh, from a very fundamental, right, innate kind of way, roof over our heads, food on the table. Uh, and for a lot of millennials who are becoming parents, I can't help but think, you know, putting food on the table for my family. So I do wonder if you've seen or if you would even postulate that the pandemic has made us all focus more on, on basic human needs and, and money and compensation. Yes. I approached it from purpose. Mm. And so, you know, my research shows that as a result of the pandemic and social injustice issues and where our economy is, Mm. 68% of Gen Z and millennials want to do more purpose-driven work. What that means is they want to know that what they're doing every day to make a living somehow contributes to the greater good. It doesn't mean I'm a lawyer today and I want to be a social worker tomorrow. Um, It just means that they need to connect the dots for themselves that what they're doing matters in a meaningful way to making the world a better place. Mm. Half of workers, almost like 47%, are actually rethinking their career choice. Right. That's so interesting. And then for your point about safety, I asked the question, did your employer do a good job keeping workers safe during the pandemic? or is your employer doing a good job? And 35% of Gen Z said, no, they're not. Wow. And about 20% of millennials said no. Mm. Those are lower than I thought they might be. So I'm glad to see (laughs) the majority, the vast majority, it sounds like, to flip it, right? Sound like they're doing a pretty good job. So that's reassuring. But it's not like they're not ready to leave for more money. So it doesn't count, you know, it sounds like we all expect them to do a good job. So that's, that's interesting. And, you know, it's, it's also interesting because, um, 
I've had baby boomers in the past mm. say to me, Candace, the only reason why people are leaving their job is for more money. Mm. And I don't believe that that's the only reason, but what my current research shows is that it's becoming more and more uh, prevalent mm. in terms of what people's needs are because of escalating costs, Yeah, because of the debt that this, these generations are carrying. Right. Um, and, and, you know, we're now starting to see inflation. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, it's very real. So very I, real. what I hear you saying is that Gen Z and millennials have more in common with baby boomers after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that more people have a lot more in common than they realize. There are some yeah. differences that some um, researchers have called out as it relates to Gen Z and millennials uh-huh. in terms of their, their approaches. So, for example, uh, Gen Z they tend to be more collaborative versus competitive. Mm. So it doesn't mean that both aren't collaborative for sure, but, um, but, you know, millennials are a bit more competitive according to this research than, um, than, than, um, Gen Zers. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. So millennials, millennials tend to be more competitive than collaborative than Gen Zers based on this research. Mm. Also, we've all heard of the gig economy. Mm-hmm. And so, that came to be in the formative years of many Gen Zers. So they tend to be more entrepreneurial in nature. Mm. Um, so that's something to think about. And as you're going into the workplace, that means they're bringing ideas. They're looking for, you know, smarter, faster ways to get things done. They're looking for ways that, you know, they can compensate um, or they're looking for ways where they can get compensation on the side. They're just very entrepreneurial. Yeah. They're you know, looking for the possibilities and then uh, they're very oriented towards salary and security too. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's because they watch their millennial, you know, brothers, sisters, parents suffer. Yeah. During the last recession, so security and salary is important to them. And if they get a sense that they can't grow right. or they can't be developed, they're out. Yeah, that's, that stood out to me in the research as fundamentally different, although. You know, what I'm hearing you say is that while millennials may have started off more purpose, passion driven, lifestyle, work life balance driven at, you know, the age that Gen Z is now at, we've shifted towards compensation and, you know, financial security becoming more important to us now. And Gen Z is starting there. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. And also think about the life stage effects and what was available to millennials when right. many of them graduated. I mean, they, uh, uh, so there was a tale of two millennials. They're the millennials who hit it right where the market was good, mm. like 20, you know, 2005, 20, 2006. Mm. And so things were good. And then around 2008, things changed. So many of them who were riding high lost their jobs. Right. And then some failed to launch when they wanted to. And then many of them went back home. And so now they're trying to make up for that lost time. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I was definitely on the latter end of that <laughs> of that uh, millennial generation graduating in 2009, having just seen like Bain Capital implode and too big to fail companies fail. And it was truly yeah. a wild time of financial scarcity when... You know, I don't think maximizing income was even on the table. So that is interesting to think about how that influenced us. And I'm happy for Gen Z to, like, be entering a different kind of economy, not a perfect one by any means. Uh, But 
an economy where they prioritize financial security and have the ability to demand it, you know, from a workforce talent management standpoint. I want to go back to something you said uh, about the rise in racial injustice challenges and Mm -hmm. um, purpose-driven work, because I'm looking at your uh, work stats on your website, and you Mm -hmm. say that racial injustice challenges in the U.S. have caused 47% of 18 to 35-year-olds, so that's Gen Zers and millennials, to rethink their original career focus. And 68% of us now want to do more purpose-driven work. And I'm, I'm wondering how we reconcile purpose versus paycheck. <laughs> you know, maximizing those two can be at odds on occasion. Um, not always, but often. I find, especially in the nonprofit sector, a lot of my nonprofit clients saying, I, I have purpose-driven work, but I'm also capitalized on. They know they can pay me less because I'm doing what feels more purposeful. My higher education uh, employees feel the same way. Uh, so I wonder, how do we wrap our heads around those conclusions that so many people in the last few years in these two generations feel called to do purpose-driven work, but also feel called to that security? I don't think it's binary. Mm. I, I believe that the pandemic, the social injustice, Mm. and um, our economy right now is causing people to refocus on what's truly meaningful and matters to them. Mm. Yeah. And that's probably common when you're faced with issues of morale, you know, of mortality Mm -hmm. and faced with issues of stability and are living in a prolonged um, environment of uncertainty. Yes. That does sound so, familiar. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you become reflective and inwardly focused on what's really important. And I think that's what's happening. Yeah. And then, you know, when most employers sent workers home in March of last year, we thought it was going to be for a few weeks. Right. July at the outset, based mm. on you know my research and research that I saw, and that didn't happen. <laughs> and now, and then, if you fast forward to this past July, we all thought like, okay, there's some normalcy, and then now the Delta variant, right. and so now we we we're, we don't know what's going to happen. And so when that happens, and you've been inside all this time, the things that you normally used to do to relax and enjoy yourself isn't available to you as much. And so it, to me, it makes sense. You know, I was really curious, though, after I found, found you know, those stats, what people were really focused on. So I asked, yeah. you know, what social issues are most important to you? Mm. The top two social issues in my research that are impacting millennials the most are health care and COVID-19 vaccination rates. Mm. Hmm. And that's followed by hunger and poverty. Okay. For Gen Z, the top two, and these are tied, are climate change, healthcare, and racism. Mm, interesting. It does feel like Gen Z has been screaming about climate change in a void and looking at older generations like, what the hell, guys, for quite a while yeah. now, you know, really since they were kids. 
which gives me hope, but also must be frustrating for them because it's not even on our top three as millennials. And they're going to inherit it and how to fix it. And, you know, yeah. they have to fix it and it's going to be costly. Yeah. That's interesting. And they're going to be certain, you know, if you, if you listen to recent reports about, you know, where we are fast approaching the point of no return, right. there may be things that they won't even be able to enjoy. Yeah. My hope is because it's so prevalent for them as they're looking for employers, they're going to be wanting to know that their employer take these issues seriously as well, too. Totally. You know, that's right where I was going next is what are the takeaways from that, specifically around your research with Gen Z for employers and managers to really consider when trying to attract and retain Gen Z talent? They're going to care more about the employer's social engagement. So Mm. in the past, you know, um, some things, you know, if your best places to work, that was important, but now they wanna know where their companies stand on these social injustice issues. Mm. They wanna know what is your position on climate change? They want to know that that their company is on the right side of history as it relates to these issues that they care so deeply about. Mm-hmm. Because there's such a diverse generation, they have more ex- more exposure to culture and social issues because these are either themselves or their friends. And so it's harder for them to not be associated with it because it's just so present in their everyday life. So they want to know that where they're going to go, that their employees see them, recognize that these issues are important or they're very actively engaged in doing something about it as it relates to their business. I mean, what would you say to the the executive who's like, but this is a business. This is not a social justice movement. Why do we have to have a stance on all of this stuff? Like, can't we just sell fried chicken sandwiches? I mean, when did when did this have to become a political campaign? You know, it's, it's a tension, right? And so what I will say is social media yeah. and the availability of the masses being able to have a voice has led to expectations that companies have broader focus mm. and broader responsibilities than just making money for shareholders. And there are also investors that are also looking at environmental, social, and governance issues. And we see that globally playing out. And so where we once may have been able to not participate as an active corporate citizen, Mm. now those are table stakes. And now it has it has to evolve to you know, these social issues, and we've seen it. Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen examples of companies who make decisions and their employees walk out. Yeah, but that has happened in, in the seventies or eighties or nineties, to the extent it's happening now. Yeah, you know, employers are concerned about the personal actions of the people who are leading the companies. If they don't like that, then they're walking out. Like it's really interesting. And it's younger workers, and they're just saying, you know. Yes, I do have these financial obligations, but this is too much. I'm out. Yeah. And it, it, can't, it can't be ignored. That gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> I think that's so right? exciting and inspiring. And I wonder if we're on the brink of a, a new kind of worker revolution um, where we're just able to vote with our feet. You know, uh, it's interesting to see how this will all play out again. It is confounding to see the purpose values-driven priorities right there alongside with paycheck compensation, basic human needs, you know, 
And so I'm curious to see as these two generations, millennials, which I'm a part of, and Gen Z, matures and continues to develop, like how we reconcile those two and how we navigate uh, finding that path forward and, and having both those needs met. Can, Dr. Candace, this has been such a pleasure speaking with you. I could talk with you all day. For my listeners who want to learn more about your research or get their hands on your books, Millennials in the Workplace and Generation Z in the Workplace, where should they go to learn more? There are three ways that you can get in contact with me. You can visit me on my website at candacestillflippin.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn at Candace Steele Flippin DM, or you can follow me on Instagram at Dr. Candace Official. I love it. And we will drop links to all of those in today's show notes. So listeners head there to get those direct links. Uh, and Dr. Candace, thank you again for joining me today. Great. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. For all of those links, head to our show notes page on the Bossed Up blog at bossedup.org slash episode 350. That's bossedup.org slash episode 350. And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. This week, I'm giving a hearty shout out to Becca, who is a recent graduate of our Level Up Leadership Accelerator. She successfully advocated for herself and transformed her work life through her time in our Level Up program. Becca is a nonprofit professional who started off in Level Up totally overwhelmed, overloaded, and in charge of way too many projects at work. She prided herself on wearing all the hats that she wore, but it really uh, became an organizational liability because she was basically doing the job of multiple people. After learning more about how to develop a sustainable leadership vision and delegation strategy at work, Becca applied what she was learning in Level Up by masterfully presenting an argument to her leadership as to why her doing the work of two full-time employees actually put the organization at risk. Becca's proposed solution was to give herself a promotion, give herself a managerial title, and allow her to hire a new full-time staff member for her to manage. And this proposal was quickly embraced by leadership as a smart, prudent move forward due to her strategic communication skills and framing around this issue. So congratulations, Becca. This is such a monumental feat. I can't believe it happened so fast. I have to say a lot of our level up leaders navigate similar trajectories, but man, Becca made it happen within the six months of our cohort uh, by really clarifying her vision for how this whole part of the organization could be done so much better, so much more scalable scalably, if that's a word. And she made her case and, and got what she needed. So congrats to you, Becca. Way to boss up and become a people manager by advocating not only for your own promotion, but for the hiring of your first direct report. We are so, so proud of you. If you want to learn more about Level Up, we are enrolling now for our final cohort of the year that's kicking off this November. You can head to bossedup.org slash level up to learn more about the six-month accelerator program all the different training, accountability calls, uh, development, assessments, and coaching that comes with it. And you'll find resources there like our uh, proposal template and marketing collateral that you can use to make the case for your 
company or organization to cover the cost. Uh, you can always set up a call with Kirby on our team as well if you'd like to learn more about if Level Up is the right fit for you. And finally, I should mention uh, that one of our big areas of focus at this time of year is working with companies in 2022 who are interested in bringing Bossed Up in to run a Level Up cohort specifically for the either first-time managers or high-potential aspiring managers and leaders in their team who could use this kind of leadership and management accelerated training program that we've put together. It's really exciting to see that come together. Uh, and I'll be, of course, on mat leave for some of this uh, Q4, but back in action for 2022 to really spearhead a lot of these new initiatives. So if that sounds like something you want to explore or your company's women's ERG would be interested in talking through further, definitely get in touch. If you found this episode helpful, inspiring, interesting, the facts that Dr. Candace dropped were so interesting, uh, I want to hear from you. Let's keep the conversation going over in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook. You can also find me, Emily Aries, on social media, at Emily Aries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, which is basically where I hang out these days. Uh, and I will be in your earbuds very soon with more details, as I've been alluding to, about what our mat leave looks like. If you're not already on the Bossed Up email list, um, definitely get there at bossedup.org so you can stay in the know with all of our developments as this Bossed Up baby is on the way rapidly and we'll keep you posted. The whole Bossed Up team and I will keep you posted on those developments, uh, you know, ASAP. <laughs> If not through your earbuds, definitely in your inbox. So sign up for our emails and join us over at bossedup.org. Until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose. And let's live up to the original motto of America's first black women's clubs who said, lifting as we climb. Let's go out there and keep pursuing our purpose and lift as we climb together. Mm -hmm.